we're introducing ourselves to the neighbors. Uh, hopefully they won't say, there goes the neighborhood, all right? But we are new neighbors in town. And uh, as we were going around meeting people in the area, that's how I would introduce myself. I say, hey, we're your new neighbors because our church is meeting right here. And we hope that we can be a blessing to the neighborhood, to the communities in which we worship in. And so we're going to talk about this idea of neighboring because we've also had the opportunity to read a book together called The Art of Neighboring. And this book has been really, really good. This is the, uh, the, the cover right here. And, and it really talks about the idea of when Jesus says that the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself, what if we actually took that literally and actually loved the neighbor that we live next to? And so it was really good because we can try to kind of over-spiritualize it because Jesus expands the idea and definition of our neighbor. But now sometimes we can make it so far out that we forget the people that actually live right next to us. And so we've been learning a lot and it's been encouraging and exciting and challenging in many ways and very practical on how we can love our neighbor as ourselves. So let me ask you this question here as we're thinking about neighbors. What would be the ideal neighbor for you? What would be the ideal neighbor for you? Let's go ahead. Let's, let's get a couple people to answer that, all right? What would be the ideal neighbor for you? Yes, Jaden. Quiet. I appreciate that. See, if you're visiting here, we keep it 100 up in here, okay? We're honest. I, I want them quiet. I don't want to make a loud noise. Okay, all right, cool. All right, yes, in the back. Who's that, Gabe? Yes. Lots of power tools. They seem to have some type of self-serving intent behind that, right? You can help me out. Okay, all right. Yes, others, yes. Friendly, okay, yes. We want some friendly uh, neighbors there. Okay, others, what else? Your, your ideal neighbor, what would that be like? Yes. A good cook. There you go, invite me on over. Huh? Every Thursday, I'll be on over, come on. All right, there you go, yes. One with the boats. Okay, are you noticing the trend here? Man, we love the neighbors that will somehow provide some benefit for us. Okay, all right. Here we go. All right, one more. Yes. What you would get along with. Yes, yes. You definitely don't want that neighbor that, mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes you pray, right? All right, so we want neighbors we want to get along with. Let me ask you this. What would it be like if Jesus was your neighbor? <laughs> wow, all those who might not have heard that online. What would it be like if Jesus was your neighbor? Think about that for a second. Some of us, we got scared. I, we were talking with the kids, uh, King, kids class teachers earlier, and I asked that question, and she was like, I, I'd be scared. Well, why would you be scared? Uh, because Jesus is next door. And so basically, like, uh, I got to make sure I act right, you know? And so some of us, we might think that fear, but let's think about all of the ideal characteristics of our neighbors. Would Jesus perhaps have some of those? Maybe not power tools, I don't know, but it. Earth, that was a his carpenter, right? So he probably does have some, right? I think he was friendly, right? Quiet, uh, he had a lot of people over probably, you know what I mean? And so you think about it, Jesus, uh, there's so many things. Yes, maybe we're challenged, but also I think Jesus would be a blessing to his neighbors. I think Jesus would be a blessing to his neighbors. And so now as we start to think about that, we can start to, go ahead and hone in and fall in and think about what does that mean for us as a church? And what does that mean for me and my neighborhood? 
And so the title of the lesson, we'll just stick with the book here, is The Arts of Neighboring. The Arts of Neighboring. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to worship you already. God, it's been encouraging to think about the Holy Spirit filling up not only our lives, but this room with your presence. Father, we've been able to thank you about how you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. And Father, we can think about being in the river, how we come alive in spiritual waters that Jesus provides, but also the river, the, the waters of salvation that saved us. God, we're already so grateful for the encouragement, the fellowship that we've been able to have, the new people that we've been able to engage in conversation with. God, I pray right now, though, that your spirit is not done working, that you will communicate your message. Father, that we will all come away inspired by Jesus. And Father, that we will make decisions to be more aligned with your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead. Let's get into it. So the first observation uh, I have here is that Jesus was a blessing to his neighbors. Jesus was a blessing to his neighbors. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Church, are you with me? All right. If you're not, if you're first time visiting here with us, this is an interactive time. And so we, we interact, right, that I don't just go over here and speak for a couple of minutes, but I'm, we're going to have some conversations, right? And so I'm going to need you to say some good things. Uh, please don't say any bad things, okay? Like, get off the stage. Please don't say anything like that, all right? But let's go ahead. Let's get into the scriptures. This is Matthew chapter 4. Matthew was a letter uh, written by one of Jesus' followers. He actually was a tax collector. So think about it. He used to work for the local IRS. And so he was not a huge, uh, you know, popular fan, uh, not popular fan. He wasn't a popular figure in his hometown. However, Jesus calls him to be a, a follower of his. He becomes a Christian. And then he has the privilege and honor of being able to write down a lot of Jesus' ministry and life. And so here we have this letter that we call the book of Matthew. And so it says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went up to live in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, uh, Naphtali excuse me, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So I want us to get a little picture here of, of the scene. So this is Galilee. This is the area during the time of Jesus. And as you can see there, this is where Jesus, he first was in Nazareth, but it says he moved up to Capernaum. And here's the Sea of Galilee. And so he moved in there. And, and so this is his neighborhood. He moves into town. He's like, look, our church, we're moving into Placentia. So this is his new neighborhood. And so we get a glimpse now of what he was like as a neighbor in his community. And so what happens, he first calls his uh, first disciples to follow him. And so now he has a group of people that are following him. And we take it up in verse 23. Church, are you with me? Okay. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from the Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Let's stop right there. What's taking place? Jesus is going around. He's teaching. He's preaching. He's healing. 
And not only is he hitting up his own local town of Capernaum, but he says he's going around all of Galilee. And what happens is that in this area now, other people start hearing about him. And so we have another map right here. And so again, remember, he is in Capernaum. But now it says people from Syria. So that's up here. Now Syria are coming. Then it says the Decapolis. There's a bunch of cities over here. Then it says beyond the Jordan River. So probably most likely the east of the Jordan River. Then it says all the way down to Judea, right here in this area, and all the way to Jerusalem. Now this is a nice little trek, wouldn't you agree? And so Jesus, remember, he's just over here. He's going around being a neighbor, hitting up this area. However, people from all around are hearing about this and now want to know some more about this man who's preaching, teaching, and healing. And so what do we see? What can we take note of? Well, let me ask you this question. What happened to the communities and neighborhood that Jesus lived in that was a part of? Well, we see that there was healing, there was teaching of God's truth. There was a message being preached by Jesus of empowerment, of hope, and of transformation. And Jesus touched those who were lonely. He reached out to those who were suffering emotionally. He helped those who were hopeless and in pain, those who had lost their faith or maybe drifted in their faith, those who maybe had money but yet had family members that were now outcasts or maybe on the outside everything looked good, but on the inside things were in turmoil. And Jesus teaches, he preaches, and he heals. People are affected. Lives are impacted. Lives are changed forever. People's faith in God is different now. Whoa, there's a God who is doing something incredible through this carpenter's son. As we can see, neighbors were blessed by Jesus. So what would it look like if Jesus lived on your streets, lived in your complex, lived on your block? You know, what's incredible is I was looking at this and thinking about this, and, and there was this song that we were in the car the other day, and, and, and it hit me. I was like, you know, this is exactly what Jesus did. You know, he, he was in the public squares. He was in the synagogues. He was out on the mountains. He was in the plains. He was preaching to large people. However, what he did is that he went and he turned living rooms into life rooms. Jesus turned living rooms into life rooms. You see, he did a lot of stuff in the public arena like we have here. But then we know there were countless times in which something incredible took place in a home. That's where much of his teaching took place. Much of his training took place. And many healings took place. You can go ahead and take a picture of this. Here are some so some examples, there's so many in scripture, but here are some examples with Peter's mother-in-law. He healed her. In Jairus' house, he raised his daughter from the dead. The paralytic was also healed, and as well as he, he taught there. Zacchaeus' house, he brought salvation to him and his household. Simon the Pharisee's house, he's anointed by the woman there. And then he uses that opportunity to teach about forgiveness. Mary and Martha's house, he teaches and brings them to be disciples, which was radical to have women disciples during that time. But he teaches them the importance of following his word. 
And not only did he do this, but then he called his disciples to also turn living rooms into life rooms. You see, he goes and he, 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 he sends out 12, and the Bible records, records where he sends out 12, and then he has another time where he sends out 72, and they're supposed to go preach and teach and heal. And look what it says here when he gives them some direction about what they should do as he sends them out. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes, the, is, promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, Jesus had modeled it. They were along with him, a part of all of these things that he was doing in the home. And he says, all right, now when it's your turn, I want you to go out. You're going to reach the masses. But you also need to make sure that you turn those living rooms into life rooms. You see, there was perhaps in the public square information or inspiration. But in the homes, it was transformation. And so we're out. Yes, I want to inspire the masses. And yes, there was transformation in the public square. Don't get me wrong. But this is going to be where I give information or I give inspiration. But it's in the home where we're eating and breaking bread together, where we're talking, connecting, relating. That's when a transformation is going to take place. That's when I'm going to heal those. That's when I'm going to give these an opportunity to teach about the depths of the kingdom of God. And he says, not only me, but you guys do the same. You see, the art of neighboring for Jesus was transformation in the homes, life together, service, God's word, and connection through relationship. So what would it be like for Jesus to be your neighbor today? Well, in many ways, and, and it's definitely in the spiritual sense, Jesus is present in your neighborhood and block today. Amen? Might not be recognized, but he is presence. But let me ask you this. What would happen if your neighborhood, your streets, your block, your community had a neighbor like Jesus. What would happen then? It hit me so hard as I thought about this question and I thought, whoa, here's the crazy part. Here's the phenomenal part is that the church, God's people, have the opportunity to continue the legacy and example of Jesus by being a blessing to our own neighborhoods as well. You and I have the opportunity to continue the legacy, to continue the example of Jesus by being a blessing to our neighbors. That was so incredible. It stood out to me. I thought, wow, because think about this. What if a bunch of people, let's say a bunch of people who, who, who follow Jesus' teachings and example, decided, you know what? I'm going to actually love my neighbor the way I love myself. What if a bunch of people in our neighborhoods who claim to believe in Jesus and follow his teachings decided, you know what? I'm going to actually love my neighbor as I love myself. What might happen in that community? What might happen on your block and in your complex? 
If you, those in our church, those outside of our church, what if we all decided, you know what? Let's follow Jesus' teaching and example and let's apply it to our neighborhood. You think there might be a difference? And worst case scenario, worst case scenario, there's now a truer sense of community because we're engaging with each other. We now feel a sense of safety with each other. We now feel a sense of good obligation for one another because we have a relationship with one another. And we're looking out for the greater good of the community. At best, many souls will come to saving faith. But man, even if I just get the worst case scenario, I'll settle for that. And you see, you and I, we have a great opportunity to be a part of something that can impact communities and lives that will lead to change for all of eternity. And so what can you and I do today? I believe we can do this. Let's turn living rooms into life rooms. Let's turn our living rooms into life rooms. Yes, in the physical sense, in our homes, having people over, people in the church, our friends over, our neighbors over. Yes, let's apply that to this into this area of our life very practically, but let's also apply it where it becomes a mentality of hospitality. Where even if I'm walking down the street, yes, I might not have the time or capability to invite you over for a meal, but I want to be hospitable to you. What if we had that mentality? Well, we're going to share life together. We're going to break bread together. We're going to be hospitable to one another, to those in my neighborhood, to my neighbors, to my friends, to those in our churches, what we call them family groups, and beyond. I believe we would see some change. And I think every soul would be blessed by it. And so how can we do this? Let's get real practical here. Engage, listen, and offer support. The very first thing I appreciate in the book is that, you know, it's hard to love your neighbor if you don't know your neighbor's name. Hey, Johnny. Oh, your name is Eric. All right. Now, that's me. I, I mess up people's names all the time. At least I tell them, look, I'm going to mess up your name at least six times. So please forgive me on the seventh time. If I don't get it, then you can get mad. OK. But it's hard to love somebody if you don't know their name. Right. But it's so much easier to connect when you know their name. What if you know maybe a little bit about them? And so we just decided, you know what? The way I can turn my, 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 my lifestyle into a living, into a life room is let me just first engage. Let me just say hello and allow that to slowly but surely be able to grow in and develop into a relationship. And then let me listen. Let me hear the joys. Let me hear the successes, the triumph. But let me also hear your pain, your sorrow and what you're struggling with. Because what does that do when you hear somebody's joy and their pain? It draws you closer to them, doesn't it? And they are drawn closer to you. And we know there's so much going on in North County. We can be a little deceived because we have nice homes or apartments. And we think everybody has it together. But until we engage in conversation and listen, we go, wait, there's a lot of deep waters here. Just like you have a lot of deep waters. And you're grateful for the people in your life who have listened, therefore being the arms and feet and hands of Jesus by providing support. 
And that's the third thing we can do is offer support in a very tangible way. Hey, here's how I can maybe perhaps help. But then also, as Jesus told them, to show people that the kingdom of heaven is near. To also offer support by pointing people back to Jesus. Now, this applies to us as individuals, but this applies to us collectively as a church. We can invite people to do life together. We can invite each other to do life together, helping one another, helping each other's kids, serving in our communities and our local family groups, loving our neighbors as a goal and in, in, in itself, and in preaching, teaching, and healing of Jesus. All of that will be seen, heard, and experienced. What if we became neighbors like Jesus? You know, we want to be a blessing to Placentia. We want to be blessing where our family groups live. We go all the way from Santa Ana to Brea to Fullerton, Placentia, and everywhere in between, Anaheim, Anaheim Hills. What if us, what if we decided, you know what, let's just be like Jesus in our neighborhood. You know, this is the type of church that I think you want to be a part of. This is the type of church I believe Jesus wants us to be. This is the type of church that the community needs us to be. And this is the type of church that we are going to be. And if you're visiting here with us today, we want to invite you to join us to be a blessing to our neighbors, to be a blessing to our neighborhood so that God can be glorified, our lives around us can be changed, and people can be impacted for all eternity. Can I get an amen? Brothers and sisters, I'm excited about what God is doing and what he wants to do. And so let's just get real practical here. Let me give you some action steps here for the week here. And similar to last week, I want to give you some questions to reflect upon. Maybe you can discuss here as you get some Kona ice. All right. But here's some questions. Why has God sent us here? What are the possibilities? What do you envision or what can you envision God doing with all of this? And then who is God calling you personally to be? And what is God calling you to do in this new era of ministry? Take some time today, tomorrow. Think about it. Pray about it. Reflect. Answer these questions. Allow the Holy Spirit to guide you. And we'll all be amazed at our true living most high God. And like we talked about last week, it will lead us to Praise. Right now we're going to take communion. This is where we remember Jesus' death uh, upon the cross for our salvation. And hallelujah for his sacrifice, but hallelujah for his resurrection. And we take the emblems that represent his body and blood that was sacrificed for our salvation. And we see here in this passage, it says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the example of Jesus. God, I'm inspired, I'm encouraged, I'm challenged, but, but, but I, I really get, I get geeked thinking about all the things that you want to do in my life, in the lives around me, in our church, in our family groups, in our community, even in my family who maybe doesn't have a relationship with you. God, it gets me excited 
to see the example of Jesus and the opportunity to continue that. I thank you for that. But we thank you that Jesus modeled this for us. Thank you that he was a neighbor of all neighbors. Thank you that he was only a blessing then, but he is a blessing to our lives now. Thank you that he lived a sinless life. Thank you that he went to the cross, but thank you that he rose from the grave. For that we say hallelujah. We thank you for our chance to raise up spiritually from our own lifetime. And that we could truly raise up to a new life and look forward to eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen.